Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Tuesday, January the 12th, 2016, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. And welcome, everybody. We're honored that you're with us. Uh, Let me check and see how my sound is. I'm actually parked in the car using the car speaker. So is that coming across all right, sweetie? Well, it's a little bit muffled. It's not as clear as it usually is. Say it again. Is that better? That's better. Okay, cool. Well, then I'll just leave it this way and and we'll get to chat. So we welcome everybody to the show. We're honored that you're here to join us and uh, and come to the uh, the understanding of the depth of the first century Aramaic forgiveness process, how it works, how it applies in our lives, and that's the project we're here to support. And as we move into deeper and deeper levels of how this process works, it's it's amazing the comprehension that builds through experience in people's lives. Oftentimes people look at this work and and with just a surface observation, it's like, well, that's interesting. But more, the more and more I work with the first century Aramaic teachings of Yeshua, and in fact I've been thinking about changing the title of my next book, which is The End of Suffering, Resurrecting the Original Aramaic Yeshua the Christ, I've been thinking about that, uh, changing that subtitle to being the secular Aramaic Yeshua because the secular application of the tools that he taught is far more important than people who pretend that his teachings were about religion, which they clearly were not. They were clearly about how you get to live as the active presence of love in the world, how you get to claim your human life. And that's a very secular activity. If you do that in the world, the world will benefit from you living as a human being. And, of course, what is a human being? Our offering is, hold a newborn child, you know exactly what a human being is. 
And it's interesting that somehow or other people have been convinced to believe that if they're not getting what they want in the world, they'll be better off being hostile about it. If they're not getting what they want in the world, they'll get it more quickly if they intimidate people. And, you know, we, we start, Jeannie always starts the Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop out with two questions. The first one is, how many held a newborn? And she makes a list on the left side of the board. In red ink, she, she realized uh, uh, last summer when we were watching the, uh, the Matrix that uh, when um, the character offers the blue pill and the red pill, the red pill you wake up, you see what's really going on. The blue pill, you go to sleep, you stay asleep. And, and you know, always and forever she's had this list on the left side of the board in red and on the right side of the board in blue. Which do you want? So the first question is, have you held a newborn child? Describe the essence of the newborn. Tens of tens of thousands of people have answered that question, and it's always, 100% of the time, some variation on the theme of love. People who said, oh, terrible in terror, and then once we quizzed them, what we discovered was that had nothing to do with the child. It had to do with what was going on inside of them, their fears, but nothing to do with the actual human life. And then the second question that she asked, the blue side of the board, the blue pill, is how many of you have done something they regret? And again, tens of tens of thousands of people asked over you know the last decades, and 100% of the time the answer is some form of hostility or fear. So let's see. If you do something you regret and it comes from hostility or fear, obviously hostility or fear must reduce your intelligence. Who convinced you that with reduced intelligence you could get what you wanted faster and better? You know, it's just crazy. And he says, well, but Michael, I just, you know, I just lost, you know, this wonderful friend passed away. It's like, okay. So, so do you suppose that you and your friend who's passed away would be better off if you're in sorrow and tears and trauma or better off if you're connected to the active presence of love? Well, I have this friend that's sick. Shouldn't I be sad and traumatized? Well, do you suppose you and your friend would be better off if you're in fear and sadness and grief or if you were the active space of love for your friend? Which do you suppose would be better? And I'd offer that Whatever it is that you're you're not getting from the world, you'll have a far better chance of getting it if you're standing in a space of love than hostility or fear. And the only reason you turn to hostility or fear is because you because you come from a thousand generations, as all of us have, of people who are ignorant of the power of maintaining the active presence of love. You go back to this man Yeshua two thousand years ago, and he says not I come to give you the fear of hell, not to call you sinners. I don't come to tell you that what you need to do is believe in me. He says, I come to tell you and to give you life and give it more abundantly. And in the most traumatic places, that's where you need your human life the most. That's the core of the secular Yeshua. And at some point, 
there has to come a place where one is willing to give up authority to the mind from the mind of their past. Take away the authority, pardon me, from the mind of the past. The mind of hostility or fear that teaches them if they go into rage, judgment, you know, intimidation, what have you, that they'll get what they want. There has to come a point where they give up that having authority over them and go to some other authority. And, of course, the the way you consider whether or not that's a wise thing to do is just honestly answer the question, how has it been working to do what I feel like doing in these situations? Has it created a joyful, warm, fun, caring, abundant life in relationships? Doing what? your carbon-based memory and your generations tell you to do? No. It destroys relationships. It destroys finances. It destroys health. It's crazy, but people don't seem to have the understanding, the comprehension, or maybe it's just a matter of people don't have the tools. And so they keep turning to what the generations have done. You know, if I rage at you, then you'll love me. If you don't love me now and I rage at you, then you will love me. Then everything will be cool. Like, well, good luck. How's that working for you? <laughs> makes no sense, but people keep doing what makes no sense because in their body's mind, there is no sense. The body's mind can be structured and programmed and hypnotized into believing anything. And the beliefs that it's accepted and taken as gospel, the sacred cows that it holds, are pretty much insane. And I define insanity as having a human body without the active presence of love in it. And if you don't have that, especially when the stress is up and the chips are down, you really can't imagine what life would be without that pain and trauma. You know, the world gives us a belief, no pain, no gain. The truth is, no pain, no pain. That's all. And as you accomplish forgiveness, and, and, and come with me on this, Forgiveness doesn't mean I let you off the hook for what you did to me. Forgiveness means that if what you did brought up some form of pain, turmoil, trauma, hate, fear, anger, rage, guilt, grief, condemnation, gossip, slander, vengeance, if what you did brought that up in me, it brought it up in me, and thank you, now I have an opportunity to remove it. And forgiveness is about removal. It's not about letting anybody else off the hook or what's going on inside of us. If you haven't accessed that technology yet, there are a few things we invite you to do. Go to our website, and, and we've put as much in the way of materials on the website as we can freely to support you. Yes, there are some things that we're going to, if you get it, we're going to ask you to pay for it because, you know, we do as much as we can free, but we haven't figured out how to do it all for nothing yet. You know, I, I would love, I think it's time. I think the work is matured, and I think it's time for a patron to show up that just says, okay, we're actually going to support this moving across the globe. But there's so much free material. And so go to whyagain.org, W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N.org. 
And over on the right-hand side, you'll see, you know, social media links. There's a Facebook link and a Twitter link. And the last link down at the bottom is a little, I believe it's a little red square. Maybe it has a white arrow in it. And that's the YouTube link. Click on that. And right now, I think the fourth or maybe the third item down is a new first hour of Why Is This Happening to Me Again. Start off and go and watch that. Then there's a link to a PowerPoint. You know, thank you, Bill Costantino. Uh, Bill is a corporate trainer. He came to teacher's training last year. We corresponded. He actually did a couple of intensives, and uh, we corresponded. We're back and forth for about a year on developing a, a PowerPoint, which he's uh, a master at, a PowerPoint on the process of the core of first century Aramaic forgiveness. Watch that video. 24 minutes, you've literally got 35 years of study. And I'm talking about intensive study. I was talking to a gentleman. We, we actually spoke at a CSL center here in, uh, in Bradenton on Sunday and did a Y workshop. And the, uh, the fellow who runs the center called me this morning, just, just minutes ago, just before the show. And he said, you know, he said, I just can't believe the depth of what you presented. And, you know, when you guys do a workshop, you really do a workshop, don't you? He said, we get all kinds of speakers and, you know, there's nice stuff and it's interesting and a lot of fluff. And he's like, he didn't say a word of fluff. I mean, everything was meaningful and important. And it was just like, I've never seen so much information in one place. And I quoted back to him something I read recently from Einstein. Einstein said, I'm not any smarter than anybody else. I just stuck with the problems longer. And, you know, this problem of, of healing the insanity, whether the insanity is expressing physically in us, mentally or emotionally, is something that I personally had to do because the first year of my life, well, I almost didn't make it out of the, uh, out of the delivery room and three or four times was almost dead. 25 years I lived on an inhalator and pills. It kept me alive, but it was killing me, I realized. And that started my search. And so I've hung with that search for just about 50 years now. And like Einstein, I stuck with it. I stuck with it. I stuck with it. For 30 years, I taught forgiveness without knowing why and how it worked. <laughs> I just didn't know. I just knew that it worked. And you don't have to believe a word I'm saying. Take the worksheet, do the process, it works. That's all. That's all. It just simply works. And if you look at that PowerPoint I was just telling you about, it will tell you, you know, finally, after 30 years of teaching it, and, you know, there are times when I did that four-hour Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop three times in a day. And people say, gee, Michael, doesn't that get old? Well, if you've seen me do the Why workshop in the last year or two or five, you can tell for me it doesn't get old because I'll tell you what, I'm as excited about teaching it when I did it on Sunday. I was excited about teaching it on Sunday as I was the first time, the 10th time, the 50th time I taught it. Stuck with it for a long time to finally get to understand why and how it works. And the beauty is if you use the tool, your life will change. That's all. Jump on the website. Once you've watched uh, a couple of the YouTube videos, the first hour of the Y workshop and the, um, and the PowerPoint, then go back to, in the center of the page, there's a red bullseye. Click the bullseye, 
and that'll open a series of links. And just start at the top, read Chapter 24 of my book. It's a free download. The whole book is downloadable free. Then go to the next link, take the first worksheet. There's a series of different worksheets that we've taught over the years on the forgiveness process. But kind of the creme de la creme is uh, it's on the top of the list. And we actually did some editing uh, you know, we are appreciative of everybody who gives us input in this process. And uh, Susan Darnell, a few weeks ago, came up with the fact that she called the reality management sheet a wake-up sheet. And so uh, we renovated the sheet a little bit, so now it's titled Wake Up. And so if you want to download the latest one, there are a few minor changes on the sheet. Nothing of any uh, real significance or, or consequence, but just if you lay out things, there was one spelling error in the last version. So, so the latest version, uh, I I think Jean's probably got it up on the website, and uh, download it, take it, not put yet. it to work, then go to the next. Oh, not yet. Okay, well, probably within the next twenty-four hours. Yeah. That was a question. Thanks for thinking. I I am so blessed and Let's appreciative see. of everything. Am, am I here. going to set the goal you just framed for me? Yeah, probably. There you go. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Seems how I let the cat out of the bag and said it was out there anyway. So take the worksheet, then go to the next link, and there are key and important radio shows. Listen to those radio shows. Uh, that walk people through. Now, there are, I think there's 16 hours. There's 16 different shows. Each one of them is an hour long. And either Dr. Tim or myself or Jeannie walk somebody through the whole forgiveness process, the worksheet. Here's how you fill it out. And, of course, each one has different nuances, has different focuses because they're different people with different issues. But they're all basically the same worksheet. The worksheet's changed since the first show, but, but nothing, you know, it, they're, they're minor intuitive leaps that you can make with the latest worksheet. And and start filling it out. Start putting it to work in your life and watch what happens. It's just, it's um, it's beyond miraculous. I was talking to someone this morning who who was in the middle of, uh, oh, major traumas in her lives, uh, a husband who was threatening suicide, threatening to kill her. I mean, just, you know, crazy stuff. And uh, she was sharing with me this morning that, you know, after five years of doing her work, she's just, shining and uh, living as who she really is and had someone who was having some difficulties at work who wrote her a note yesterday thanking her for who she was and that she was an inspiration and a light to her. And so you take someone who moves from that kind of trauma and turmoil and victimhood into Somebody who's in the office is like, you inspire me. You've changed my life. I mean, how cool would it be if seven and a half billion people woke up tomorrow morning and were an inspiration to the people around them? Well, that's what we're working to do is to create that. And there are so many people out there that are being that inspiration. You know, there's Dr. Tim on the show and uh, just – you know, such support and such an inspiration to so many people. Jeannie doing the healing, the whole woman, and uh, you know, working on writing her book, and it's it's kind of cool. She's uh, she's invited my daughter to uh, to do the cover, and the, the picture of the little Native American girl is looking very much like uh, our granddaughter Addie. 
So that's going to be kind of cool. And uh, and then I look at all the people, you know, Susan Darnell's out there, Bill's teaching it, Terry's teaching it. I mean, there's so many people out there, Rex and Mitzi and just, you know, on and on go the circles of people who've picked it up. People in Tehran, Iran are teaching forgiveness, a la first century Aramaic Yeshua. You know, people in Sweden, people in Germany, Russia, uh, we've got people translating into French. There's a young lady who's over in Thailand who's working with her family and people around her with the forgiveness process. It's just, you know, the 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 physicist Yeshua said a little leavening leavens a whole loaf. Maybe he was a baker too, I don't know, but but I don't think he was talking about bread when he said a little leavening leavens the whole loaf. He was talking about critical mass in physics. A small number of people who are the active space of love, create a literal measurable energy field. In fact, there's, a, there's an interesting demonstration of the high energy waves that leave the mind when we think a thought. I just posted it last night. Gene and I were looking at it, and uh, someone had forwarded to me, and it's a, uh, uh, a speaker system, and they run a hose down the front of the speaker system. And they turn the water on. And then there's a little knob that adjusts the frequencies output from the speaker. So you see this hose flowing with water. And then all of a sudden, when you hit the right frequency, instead of just this water running out of the hose, it's running in a pattern. I mean, a very distinct back and forth pattern. And you can just see the shape of the wave coming off of the speaker. All the world can see the shape of the waves. It's unconscious for most people, but can see the shape of the waves that you're sending out. If the waves you're sending out are those based in hostility or fear, it will tend to bring back other people who have matching waves. That's how a world of resonance works. If the waves you're sending out are those of love, then you will be an inspiration. If you don't know how to send out waves based in love, then engage in forgiveness, remove what's unlike love from your genes, from your mind, from your body, from your emotions, and you can't send out anything else but love. And and this if you're not if you're not uh, connected with us on Facebook, send me a friend request. It's J M underscore R Y C E. Posted it late last night. Take a look at it. It's so cool to just watch and then you know this thing's shooting this wave that's, that's like the water that was just coming out of a hose in a straight line is going back and forth maybe two inches in each direction, just this total wave shape. And then when they turn it off, the water just goes back to its flow. When you turn off the hostility and fear that you radiate out into the world, when you stop spraying that on people, people respond differently. Because when we're spraying hostility and fear on the people around us, they don't like it. They may not know what it is they don't like, but they don't like it. If I can't stop spraying hostility and fear, it's because I've not yet engaged in forgiveness. Forgiveness removes the hostility and fear. And that's what we're here to support. The removal of hostility and fear, literally the very capacity for hostility or fear, from every instrument that is every human form on the planet. And we're honored and delighted that you're here to share the space with us. And Dr. Tim, how do you be today? Anything to share with us? I'm doing quite well, thank you. And um, 
the thing I would have to share would be right in resonance with what you were talking about earlier about anger and what's come up a couple times today in sessions already is not people spraying anger at other people but people spraying anger at themselves and so you know if you can if you can tune into how it's really not productive in your relationships to be spraying negative energy on the people you're trying to relate to and hopefully you can slow down and take a breath and realize that's not very productive if you're spewing it on yourself either. And, you know, two different people so far today have come in with <clears throat> different awareness that their alarm system is going off, telling them that they are doing something unproductive for themselves and... I'm talking about physical aches or pains or itching or difficulty sleeping and then realizing that when they slow down and tune into what they're thinking or feeling right before that happens, it's rage at themselves because they aren't good enough or they waited too long to do something. or So it's been fascinating and right in line with your intro today that you know, we we do create these energies and we do spray them on the world around us and on ourselves. And it's a really good thing to pay attention to what energy I'm I'm creating or choosing to send out there. So that's my offering for today. Great offering, right on track, and and to be aware that you know the the last line in the worksheet is a reminder of one of the universal principles, and that is that whatever I originate in myself, I get the original. They just get the carbon copy. And so if I think I can spray it on somebody else without spraying it on myself, I'm sadly mistaken because it goes through every cell in my own structure first. And, and it's interesting how good we are, how good we've become at hiding our self-inflicted pain and when I spray hostility on someone else and I fill my own cellular structure with it, my cellular structure goes into extreme pain. But because we live in such now, we hide the pain until the next time somebody else comes along that resonates it, and then we blame them for what we've done to ourselves. And it's just so counterproductive and so bizarre and so insane. But, you know, we bought into a belief that, by and large, that's just what you have to do. You have to you, in the real world. You got to be able to be really defensive and angry. It's like no, actually, defensiveness and anger will draw to you the most vicious attacks you can imagine. Because in your imagination, there's an instruction set for exactly what kind of attack you expect. And if you hold that expectation, you know, you go back to Yeshua and he lays out the laws of the universe. And and he says, not one jot or tittle will pass away. There are a lot of people who want to pretend they're in this game because of a guy named Paul who didn't want to be under the law. He certainly doesn't support Yeshua. Yeshua says, not one jot or tittle. And the jot and tittle are two of the smallest characters in Aramaic. He said, none of it's going anywhere. We are all governed by the way this universe works, you know. I don't have a choice. This is one of the you know, the the core of Laws of Living that we'll do in February in Orlando and that intensive, but I don't have a choice. I didn't have a choice when I got up this morning. I opened two gifts when I woke up my eyes, 
And then I put my feet on the floor. Now, I could have laid in that bed for two hours and said, I want my feet to go to the ceiling. I want my feet to go to the ceiling. I want my feet to go to the ceiling. And when I got out, my feet would have gone to the floor because that's a law. That's just the way it works. If you look at the whole idea of the law, it's all just the way it works. We don't have a choice about it. And when we are unconscious and don't know why and how it's working the way that it is, we think we're victim of it, that somebody else did it to us. But when we understand how the laws work, how this energetic system works, then we can avoid collisions with it. If I don't, you know, you know, I, I like to use a story of imagine that you've just built yourself or you're building yourself this beautiful new 3,000-square-foot home and you want somebody to wire it and I offer to hire my great-great-grandmother out to you. Do you want my great-great-grandmother to wire your house? Well, she probably doesn't know anything about the laws of electricity and so she has no liberty to do that job. Imagine that you knew, canceled the thought, that at 3 in the morning you were going to be laying in bed in deep, deep sleep when the power was turned on and my great-great-grandmother wired your house. Chances are the house is going to burn down. You don't want to be in bed at 3 in the morning when she does that because she doesn't understand how it works. The whole process of law, if you don't know how the, your your abundance and and money works, if you don't know how your genitals work, if you don't know how your nutrition works, if you don't know what the earth uh, that produces your food has got to do with your nutrition and your health and your well-being, these are all things that are governed by law. If you don't know how your mind works, how your relationships work, how your emotions work, if you don't know those things, you're just like my great-great-grandmother trying to wire the house. You're going to crash into things. Can't cancel the thought. When you understand how the law works, then you prevent avoidable collisions. You know, people talk about breaking the law. And, yeah, you can break man's rules. Gee, the light said, you know, stop, and I went through it. I broke the law. And we've transferred that to thinking we can break the laws of the universe. Can't break the laws of the universe. It's not possible. If you come into avoidable collision with them, I guarantee you'll be broken. But the, the law will sustain not the least fracture. You can't violate them. Now, when you understand how they work, you know, gee, heavier than air machines fly. Well, that must be a violation of the law of gravity. No, the engineer that develops a machine that's heavier than air that can fly that seems to be violating the law of gravity is absolutely working within the law of gravity. And because the law of gravity is understood, it produces a counterbalancing force and it flies. The airplane in the air, the instant it breaks the law of gravity, is going to crash. That's all. The instant it violates a knowable way that it works, the game is over. And so it is with life. In each arena... Whoever, however this thing was set up, it was set up to work within certain parameters. And, you know, it's been known for thousands of years. Why haven't we been taught how that works? 
You want to know why? Because there are people who make money from you not knowing how it works. Those who teach how it works threaten the finances of everybody who's making money from people being ignorant about how the system works, how the energy system operates. If you want to take a a deeper look and a deep, deep leap into how to build relationship with the energy system of the universe. it's, It's interesting, the first beatitude we're told by the Greek says, Blessed are they mourning their wrongs. Pardon me, not mourning their wrongs. That one's uh, the second one. The the first beatitude is, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Now, here's this guy, Yeshua, who says, I come to connect you to the spirit of truth. You can deny me, but don't deny this power I'm trying to connect you with. And somebody now is going to try to convince you you should be poor in that spirit. If you go to the Aramaic, what it says is those who live in relationship with the eternal forces. That's that first beatitude about is how to get into relationship. It's not, I'll have people say, oh, you're doing laws of living? Give me a copy of the laws. No, 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 no. That's men's game. That's men's cheap copy of law. It's not about laying down a set of rules and I'll follow the rules, then I'll be living within the law. No, it's how to be in relationship with the eternal forces. So we're going to spend 16 days working on that project on a process level, very deep process work on how to come into relationship with those eternal forces and and to understand how they work and how to move the parts of your mind out that don't harmonize with that. So that's what uh, Laws of Living will be about. It's actually going to start on the 18th of July, or pardon me, of July, the 18th of February and go through March the 4th in Orlando. So if you're out there in that frozen Northland and you want to get out for a little while, come and join us. Our calling number, pardon me, is 646-200-4169. And Jeannie just texted me and told me we've got a caller in the air. So let's talk to our caller, sweetie. Yes, we do. And I believe that it may be Susan, speaking of teachers, 910, you're on the air. Hey, Jeannie. Thank you, Michael. Yes, it's me, Susan Darnell in North Carolina. Hey, lady. How did Laws of Living go last night? Oh, wow. It's always amazing. It was it was really fantastic. We had a big, you know, everybody was here except the one person who um, has had some challenges with their back and uh, actually cracked a vertebra, so they've had it, uh, did a procedure where they cemented that vertebra back together, which is interesting. Um, but we're talking over the phone, so I hope she'll get back to the next class I teach. But um, the vital- I, I was just sitting here making notes while you were talking about what I wanted to say. And one of the things I wanted to say, which you were just mentioning the laws of living intensive that you're getting ready to do, and I was thinking, um, why go to an intensive or why teach? Those are the two things I had at the top of the list. And what I can say for myself is, number one, it raises the vitality, amazing, so that the parts of myself that are hidden from me, blockage of truth, have an opportunity to surface in a safe place with the strength enough to process through. And that's been exactly my experience as I teach these classes. You know, I'm looking around the room last night and I'm thinking um, how I want to encourage, and I do, everyone, all the participants, that this is really, we've got four more weeks left and it's really important. Your vitality's up. You're going to be able to look at things that you couldn't look at before, and they're going to, you know, as they come up, just allow it. It's a perfect opportunity to clear it. 
And, um, of course, the tendency is, I see it every class, is we all, including myself, we get really busy, and it's a, a way to avoid and resist. Um, but I had, a, I had a big clearing on New Year's Day myself, and um, it just amazes me uh, how that comes at the perfect time and the circumstances are set up with the players in my world to create something that needed to come up that happened when I was 17 with my father uh, where something was said, something happened, and he became really violent. And where I made up a story at that point uh, to do everything in my power to keep myself safe. So I made all these little ego rules uh, that when somebody says these words, I get away from because they're getting ready to be violent, which is exactly what he did. And uh, and I've done that with my whole life, is make up rules to try to keep myself safe. And um, it's just, it's it's been an unraveling, let's just say that. And I want to share an experience I had this morning. I got up and I felt I had a headache coming on. I was sick to my stomach, nauseous. And I'm thinking, okay, I had laws of living last night. My vitality was so high last night. At 11 o'clock, I was still awake. And um, and I, then I started to have chills, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm getting the flu. And then I thought, no, it's a healing, it's a healing crisis because you're doing more of the right things and your vitality is hit a new high. So I went to, I decided to lay down, and, um, and I was just having chill after chill. I was covered up, and I thought, I've got, you know, mind shifters tonight at Unity. Maybe I can call the church and get them to put up signs. This is going through my head as I'm dozing off. Well, I doze off into this dream, and in this dream, uh, the minister at Unity uh, had several people in the room, and she was doing a healing. And I remember her hands, I, I want to cry as I'm talking about it. Go for it. Her hands. We breathe. Her hands. <laughs> Keep breathing. Her hands, as they touched me, I could feel the energy run through me. And in that moment, in that dream, in my sleep, my vitality, whatever it was, cleared. And when I woke up, I was 100% back in my vitality, my health, my wellness. And I was, and as I processed through that uh, in my journal, it was a perfect demonstration of how the mind creates and how when I'm willing, healing can happen in an instant. And uh, and I was thinking that the next thought came that, uh, you know, I make it difficult by thinking i got to do 500 worksheets or i got to do this and that and the other when really staying in a place of love and being willing. And I wrote that on my board last night. I wrote willingness, that that's the one requirement for this work is the willingness to show up and do the next right action, staying connected to love. And I also had a request last night for a list of the rules, <laughs> a list of the laws or a list of the rules. It was kind of, and I was just, I just started to explain that holding a space of love, you know, for yourself, for man. You know, I just started the first law, and I said, you're going to get all the rules and the laws, and, and you'll see how they work. So anyway, I'll pause there, Michael, take a breath and say, um, I have another thing I want to share, uh, but I want to go ahead and give you, Um, I I really you know that I think you've said it all so powerfully and so beautifully and and to me it's awesome 
that you started doing this work four years ago and you're transitioning from the business you created to uh, to teaching as your livelihood and creating cash flow and uh, a, a process where you get to heal and where you are literally just with the fire of healing setting a whole city on fire with that. I mean, the the lives that you've changed in four laws of living classes, I've been hearing from people. I'm talking to people and, you know, they're inspired, they're touched, they're influenced and, you know, it's just amazing. And so go for it. What's your next thought? Well, I, I, I think I'm living my passion, Michael. You know, it's interesting because I have expanded the business that I had that I, I thought I was going to walk away from, and that business is actually allowing me now to work three days a week doing it and give me two days a week to do uh, my office and my still point breathing and my workshops and the support I need to do around the laws of living. So it's like I was had this judgment, and I was thinking, I just did a worksheet on um, the sadness I had that I can't trust my thoughts. That was the the um, the thought that I had was I can't trust my mm-hmm. thoughts. <laughs> and it, anyway, that, did that I get power person to that? Was that power person thought? Is that what you said? No, no. Was that a, a message that you got from your power person? You can't trust your thoughts. I have to take care of it for you. Was that a message they gave you? Well, it might look like, well, here, I can show you how to do it properly, dear. It might seem like a really nice thing, but when, when someone says, I can show you how to do it properly, dear, the implied message is you don't know what you're doing and you can't do it right. I'm sure I got that message many, 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 many times. And And one thing I've learned from this work is, that staying connected to love, and when I'm connected to love, I can trust my thoughts. When I'm connected to fear or hostility, um, I need to clean up my mind and get myself back connected to love before I before I proceed. Now, and I want to tell you, I wanted to ask this question, and I haven't went on to my next thing I want to talk about. But Susan, yeah, Susan, yes. Hold your question before you get to your question. I just have one other piece of input uh, to offer. Okay. This, okay. that might be useful in terms of process. And that is that if that's a message that you got from your power person, then be aware that when the stress is up and the cheats are down, that's the message you're going to deliver to other people. That they don't know how to do it right, and you do, and all they have to do is do what you say. So be aware. Oh, my if gosh, that ever comes that's so right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's just that's how it works. But of course, when I, when I'm doing it, you know, when my mind does it, my mind tells me, oh well, I'm just, you know, I'm just being nice and blah 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 blah, and it doesn't tell me that I'm doing exactly what my power person was doing. And so it's just when I can identify a power person dynamic in my life, I, I, a very useful thing to me to stop and go, oh okay, now I know when the stress is up and the cubes are down, what tends to take over my mind, and so I'll be aware of that. And if it does. I'll forgive it and shift out of it until I resolve that power person dynamic, then I would no longer deliver that message to anybody. Well, you're right on. And where I was going, I thought with that worksheet I was doing was that I had been listening to my non-being mind thinking it was true and that I was really having a big breakthrough that I was realizing I can't trust my thoughts because I'm trusting the thoughts of the non-being mind. But you're taking it to another level 
And you're absolutely right on. I have, and I've got this on one of my gifts uh, in my purpose statement when we were creating that, that I am, um, well, convincing because I'm convinced is one of the things I've said before, persuasive. And people have a tendency Uh to, and once I realize that, and I did realize that through the 12-step program, is that there comes a responsibility with that, that if I am going to use that gift that I have been given uh, to the highest good to my soul, I need to stay connected to love so that if I'm going to influence anybody, I want to influence them from a place of love to do uh, what's the highest and the best for them. And, and you know, in a lot of times, being in the ego body, I do it imperfectly. And I just have to clean it up as soon as I can and promptly. <laughs> yes, I know it's shocking. You haven't <laughs> noticed me doing that. <laughs> I don't know why you would do it. <laughs> I know I, I know. for me it's, uh, you know, I, I, lack of a better word, I, I want to say humbling, but it's very uh, enlightening. And I realize that blockage of truth um, I see it more and more uh, as I'm doing this work. Um, so, leading on to the next thing I want to talk about is I'm do I did last week the big schematic that you have of the fear, hostility, and rachma. And there's one thing that I've been talking back and forth with Terry and um, and the group. And you know how Course in Miracles always says there's love and there's fear. And for me, what I'm noticing as I'm working with people is that normally, and we've said it about bullies, if you get a bully to drop the hostility, they immediately will go to their knees and they'll cry. And so what I'm thinking is there are two emotions, love and fear, like Course in Miracles says, and that hostility is mainly an acceptable drug that we use in society, powerful when we're connected to non-beings, instead of the power of being connected to Rachman and Kuba. So when I was making my schematic last night, I drew a line horizontal and I put hostility and fear over top of it, kind of like you would in a division uh, if you were doing math. Right. And then instead of side by side as equals, I have a tendency to think that when people are in hostility, it's they're back in their drug, they're back in the addiction. I think you said that, is that if you're in hostility and it is your drug, you need to do a 12-step program as rigorously as you would if it was for alcohol. Exactly. It's a dual-use thing. It's a way to feel powerful, and it's a way to anesthetize against the pain. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. And I think it's right along there with uh, being on the non-being side of the board, more of that non-being than a filter that's set. I think it's a filter that's set over top of the fear because rarely do I see anybody that's hostile that when you pull that hostility, and I may be wrong, when you pull the hostility off, there's not a lot of fear that they're trying to protect from. And I only know that from my personal experience. Because when I'm in hostility, you can bet that I'm like backed up in a corner and I'm terrified. Yes. And I have something that I think is going to be taken away from me, that I'm going to be lose or that I'm going to be hurt. Yep, that's and it. This, and this, and you'll this, notice this, that on the yeah. worksheet where you it, where hostility and fear are written, it's written with a slash because they are always connected. Okay. Well, right okay, track. see, okay, okay, okay. Well, I was seeing the filters as set as either it's fear, it's hostility, or it's rachma. And and so, I, you know, and they're all, they're just like compartments. And I was thinking, well, that looks like to me is always under the hostility 
but I do know what you're saying. If 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 you're in hostility, you see an irritating world, and if you're in fear, you see a threatening world. And that is one of the most powerful things about the laws of living. Probably what really impressed me to teach this work is knowing how the mind works. And it, for anybody out there that's considering taking the laws of living, knowing how your mind works is one of the most important things, you know. Knowing how your washing machine works and getting a manual when you come home with it, that's great. And kids, they don't give you one for the children. But knowing how your mind works helps you in every area of your life to be a better everything, better mother, better partner, better whatever. But it, this this class is really big. It is it's one of the best things I've ever found. When I saw it, it was like, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. ka I'm ready. So, um, ka-ching. <laughs> ka-ching. ka-ching. this is it. I, I've looked all my life, and this is this is what I've been looking for. So, I have one more question it, if you have time. Okay, before, before we move on, let's just clarify a little bit about the fear hostility. Yes, they are always connected. Uh, and, they're, you know, it's like it's the old song of love and marriage. You can't have one without the other. But it seems like it's been so developed in the mind that it has become a filter. And the way you can tell which one to approach and deal with first is the quality of the perception. So when the predominant, we could say the predominant aspect of the filtering system is fear, then the mind is going to produce a reality that's threatening. When the predominant aspect is hostility, it's going to produce a reality that's irritating. So that's useful, but but yes, you're absolutely right, and that's why it's written with a slash, because they are always connected. But which one do you want to deal with first? Which one do you want to loosen first? And you tell which one to go for by what's the quality of the final perceptual output of the mind. And, of course, the fact that Yeshua said that the first, the first law, the most important thing in all of human life, is to have rachma, which is the primary filter in the mind that keeps human life uh, operating, gives gives human life a way to enter our form and uh, keeps the mind on track with loving goals and loving perceptions. Absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. I agree. Okay, I, so as I'm asking, wanting to ask you this other question, I'm wanting to ask, I really want you to, okay, what do I really want? Okay, I'm going to go to this one, evidence. Uh, the mind is an evidential device that gives you the evidence of what I believe, whatever the person believes. How does that work? That's not the brain, because I had that question last week and I didn't get a chance to call in last uh, week, so I'm, I'm asking it now. It's the mind makes up the carbon-based memory. It's in every cell of the body. Is that correct? It's not just the brain that's the mind. Correct. The mind functions through every cell in the body. Every cell functions to store information, and it filters up through and the mind is actually a function. You know, they're, they're, they're never going to find, they're never going to, for instance, cut a body open and find a mind. They're never going to cut a body open and find digestion because digestion is a function of the activity of certain cells. The mind is the function of certain, the activity of certain cells. So it, it isn't a thing, it's a function, and it's the function of every cell in the structure. People tend to think of it related to the brain because that's one of the primary places that it operates, but it operates through every cell in the structure. So when we're teaching in the laws of living, a manage your mind, manage your life, we're teaching you to manage every cell in your body instead of manage just the brain and how it operates with your thinking. Exactly. You want to manage the quality 
of the energies that you allow to be active in your structure that make up what you call your mind, which ultimately reflects as your body. Okay. And and, and the pictures that you see. Yes. Yes. Okay. And, yeah, and the laws the of mind, residence is what... Okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, the mind... Once brain cells fire, and a brain, we talk about a brain cell is not localized in the brain, but it's every cell in the body functions to store information, so it functions as a brain cell. And when brain cells fire, the mind, out of what's firing within it, paints pictures on the inside of our eyeballs that creates the whole world that we see and we think is out there and don't recognize that it's actually in here and is a reflection of the content that's in here. And so whenever we're applying forgiveness, you know, the, the creator, you go to the Course of Miracles and it talks, the, the, the Course says, you know, God's word assures us that he loves the world, so it must not be the world you love. What world does virtually everybody love? The one painted on the inside of their eyeballs that comes from the firing of their own brain cells. And, they, and that's the world they made, and they think that it's out there, and it's not out there. It's on the inside of the eyeballs, and the energy that radiates from that is touching the world around them, the, the actual world, and creating influences. So as I recognize that the world where I want to apply forgiveness is strictly the one between our ears, that becomes key. I agree. That's great. Very good. Thank you. And the law of residence is what brings the evidence uh, from the carbon-based memory and environment around us uh, to show us the picture we see, right? That law of residence? Yeah. An energy shows up and an energy exchange happens through the law of residence and that's what determines what fires and the filter set will limit what can fire. If Rachma is set and somebody comes along, let's say I've got Rachma. I really practice and I've got Rachma and Kuba, those filters in the frontal lobes of the brain and the back of the brain set. So I am, am committed and set, it for, set tight for love. And somebody comes along and resonates some rage in me. Well, if I'm set tight for love and rage starts to move in me, because if there's rage in me, somebody's going to show up with rage and it's going to resonate that in me. And when it resonates, if I'm tight with love, then by that rage moving in me, passing through Rachma and Kuba, there's going to be an instant transmutation of that energy, and I'm going to get to heal my rage or my sadness or my guilt or my grief. However, if rage, sadness, guilt, or grief starts to move in me, and I go, oh, my God, this picture in the inside of my eyeballs, look how terrible it is. It, it must be caused by them that I'm not transmuting that energy anymore. I'm now stuck in the world that I see and making it cause when, in fact, it's all just an effect. And I've lost the capacity to maintain the mindset of Rachma or love. And it's our uh, use of will that allows us the ability to consciously set Rockman Cuba and keep it set? Exactly. Will is a a spiritual muscle. It's a faculty of the human being, of the human soul. And when we've exercised that muscle and we say, my commitment is, and my goal is, I, I frame and I set and I maintain the goal 
to stay connected to love, I do that with my developed will. And then somebody comes along and resonates my rage, and I start healing my rage, like right there on the spot. And I start healing the rage of everybody around me because my will has framed, set, and maintains the goal to stay connected to love, to keep Brahma active. So that's the reason in Laws of Living we have such a focus on the, the, the spiritual faculties, and in particular will there. And we have a whole worksheet for practicing and developing that. And, you know, it's like imagine somebody who goes into the gym and the only thing they ever do is arm curls. So they've been in the, going to the gym for 20 years and they can take, you know, 500 pounds and do a curl. And their biceps and the muscles on the front of their arm and their hands, they're gigantic. And they got these little skinny leg sticks running around on these skinny sticks and this, you know, their, their, um, uh, the rest of the muscles in their body are atrophied because the only thing they ever exercised was, was that those biceps doing curls. Well, someone who doesn't understand will, it's kind of like, you know, as the mind functions, this is, this is, again, we're going back to the whole coming into relationship with law and understanding how it works. If I understand all of the things that will can do, then I will practice all of the things that will can do. I will evenly and in a balanced way develop will and with that developed will then i will maintain my goals i will select my goals at appropriate time times and my goals will all be connected to love and that's all part of the practice of will but the world doesn't i mean if you if you look in psychology textbooks go to go to the university library and go through every psych textbook and you probably will not find the word will there except to say, Charlie will go to the store. But there will be nothing about human will. That's been disappeared. And without human will, without knowing what human will can do, and this is, again, part of what we cover in Laws of Living, we've got a worksheet for developing it. Human will can frame a goal. Human will can set a goal. Human will can set a goal for immediate attention. Human will can cancel a goal. Maintain a goal. If if nobody told us that, then you know we didn't know how to do that. We didn't do that, and so we wonder why will doesn't work very well. You know, it, it's kind of like the whole thing of laws of living is giving people instructions for how to develop property in a balanced way. All of the things that keep us in harmony with the way the energy system of life works. And we're down to the last few seconds, so Susan, I'm going to say thank you for hearing from you because your questions are just. Awesome. And a gift to everybody, and we appreciate them. And in the meantime, if anybody's ready, you're most welcome. You're most welcome, and we appreciate you. And we appreciate what you're doing there in Wilmington and touching that town. It's awesome. And everybody, we're we're honored and delighted that you're here to join with us. And if you want to do Laws of Living, we start on uh, the 18th of February. We've got this beautiful seven-bedroom home in Orlando. If you're up there in winter especially and you want to get out for a while, come on down and join us. We'll actually start on the 1st of um, of February with a 16-day or actually a 9-day codependence to interdependence, and that 9-day will turn into a 16-day, and then we'll step into laws of living. So you could actually come and do a whole you know, 32-day intensive if you want to do that, or a 9-day or a 16-day. So blessings. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. Take care. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie, 
who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Evolving continuously.